Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Trying to swallow away from the mic as to stop that horrible gulping sound that I feel is happening on too many of the episodes these days. Episode 51. Good evening, good afternoon, good morning. Some of you may, I don't know when you're listening to this. I have stopped checking uh, listening figures a long time ago. Um, there, there will be some podcasts that you enjoy. There will be some um, people who you listen to who broadcast through the, the medium of podcast. Um, constantly banging on about numbers. It's, it's no it's no for me. Yeah, nah. Um, would I like to have more listeners? Of course I would. Would we like to spread the podcast far and wide? Yes, but is it is it nice that we've got this little niche group of, of rascals who return week on week to enjoy the oral offerings that uh, come from my good self. Um, I am Scott Gibson. Um, you, you should know that by now. This is the Scott Gibson Show, episode 51, pushing towards episode 100 when we will internally combust and uh, explode. Um, I thought I had the, the Rona. This is the problem that we now find ourselves in uh, in the current COVID-19 situation. As soon as anybody has any kind of symptoms that um, you have seen on many different Rona lists. Uh, yes, first of all, I've got the virus. I've got the virus, but not the disease. So I have a very sore throat. 
<coughs> we are currently uh, drowning in honey and lemon um, because the the fucking we've got the gig coming up. You know, this Saturday. This Saturday wasn't going to plug it this early, but fuck it, let's go for it. Um, this Saturday coming up, Saturday the twenty fourth of October, um, the year of our Lord twenty twenty. I, your old da, aka DJ Gibble, aka Big Scott Gibson, uh, I'm going to be doing a, an online, a live cyber gig, a beanbag, if you will, like the old days when people couldn't afford. Uh, travel to away days in Scottish football. So you would go to Ibrox or Parkhead, depending on which side of the wall uh, you found yourself on. And you would enjoy a beanback, a live broadcast of the match where you could sit and sing sectarian anthems and enjoy a hot pie as uh, Bronxy Bear would parade himself around the park. Or Hoopy the Huddle Hound. Again, whichever side of the wall you found yourself on. So... This Saturday, going to be doing a live online gig. Uh, nervous, looking forward to it. Nervous because uh, never done one. I have I have not involved myself in any of these Zoom gigs. Um, I have watched too many friends horrifically eat a bag of shit uh, in doing this, and um, yeah, know. I have said from the start, and I hope I am proved wrong, but I don't know if comedy lends itself well to these online broadcasts. Now, I'm hoping that it will be different for me, mainly because of the style. It's storytelling, right? So I know I'm not going to get the same response. There's going to be no response because it's going to be me alone in whatever venue we find ourselves in. Um... So there's not that that connection there, you know. But try to take the positives from it. I mean, if if anything is taught us this year, it's to try and look at the positives in life, and um, it'll be good to just it'll be good to just tell some stories again. I've literally not done any stand up since March of this year, which is it's been horrible. It's been genuinely horrible. I have missed it so much. I've missed gigging. I've even missed travelling. I have generally missed it so much. And uh, so this Saturday, 8.30pm, live on Patreon, Patreon. Um, it's the only way to see the gig. It's going to be streamed live on there. Um, so if you're not part of the uh, Patreon yet, please do consider signing up. It's the only way you're going to get to see the gig. And, uh, you know, I've, I'm, I think it's going to go well. And we'll be doing more of them. And when we do more, the only place to see it is, is Patreon. Um, so go to patreon.com forward slash Big Scott Gibson, go to the website, uh, follow the links there and sign up before Saturday at 8.30 and you will be able to tune in and enjoy the first ever live streamed cyber online extravaganza. It's going to be good, man. In, in my head, I'm, uh, I'm aiming for at least 45 minutes of stand-up, you know, first time back. Um... You know, and just, I'm, I'm, I think, I mean, I'm, I'm saying that just to kind of, you know, not edge the bets, but just kind of lower expectations. I mean, I know I'm probably going to do an hour plus. I know that because I'll get carried away as I always do. But it's the, it's the uncertainty of, of no audience, which is going to be so alien. It's going to be so strange. Um. So 
it'll, we'll probably just treat it as like an online podcast kind of thing. Um, but it'll be good. So this Saturday, there's going to be some old stories in there. One or two will be reworked. Um, uh, some classics, just to kind of get back in the stream of it as well. Uh, back in the saddle, if you like. And then uh, some newer ideas, some new bits, riffing some new stuff. Uh, so it's going to be a it's going to be a mash. It's going to be it's going to be fun, and you should all join us if you're listening to this. Uh, please do come along and join me this Saturday, October twenty fourth, eight thirty, live on Patreon, uh, first ever streamed live comedy gig. Um, it's going to be exciting, man. It's going to it's going to be hey, it'll be what it'll be. Nah, I mean it'll be something to remember. <laughs> something to, to I was in the house tonight. When Big Gibbo streamed that gig and died in his hole, man. <laughs> I suppose it's easier to die in your ass to a room of zero. You know, than it is to die in your ass to, to a room of thousands. Yeah, nah? But we'll see how it goes. Anyway, how have you been? I hope you're safe. I hope you are well. Um, COVID continues to grip the nation. Um, we, we're getting a little bit excited. Um, as I'm sure most of you are, because there is a, a slight possibility of um, civil unrest, if you will, in the great independent state of Manchester. Now, I'm sure many of you have been um, watching these news stories unfold, and it seems as if Manchester is fucking god mental. Now, England have introduced this... Uh, tiered system, this this three-tiered uh, sanction process, I suppose is the best way to call it. Sanctions, though, seem as if... Sanctions feel as if you've done something wrong, you know, as if you're being like a like a trade sanction, you know, when somebody takes a piss at Trump's here and he's like, we're not sending them any more avocados. That was a terrible Trump impression, but you know what I mean. I'll tell you something else. I know a lot of you probably are not that interested in American politics. You should be because it's completely different for your political system and it's quite interesting, lend itself well to TV programmes and movies and it's quite exciting and it's a lot of it is politically driven in the sense of not for the good of the people but for the good of the party or the people involved. Um, there is a there is a, a documentary on Netflix just now, I, I cannot remember the name of it, I think I lasted about 10 minutes and I turned it off, um, and it's basically talking about how big business and money has influenced American elections, and it's focusing on Trump, it's focusing on social media, uh, the influence of Russia, allegedly, and the influence of big business, you know, so for example, uh, I own a tyre company, right, in buttfuck Wisconsin, and the asshole of nowhere, right? And I have got two guys who are running for office, and one's giving it. We think that tires are the 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 shame of America, and we will, when we're in office, we will remove all tires from all vehicles. And the other guy's like, I fucking love tires, man. Uh, my house is made of tires. Uh, I eat tires. You cut me open, I bleed tires. And then I'm saying, right, I'm a tire guy, man. I'm going to get a tire, man. A hundred billion gazillion squiddlies. And he's going to get in office and he's going to help me sell tyres. Blah, de, blah, de, blah, right? Looking a little bit about how social media is influencing people's voting decisions. But the thing to take from this is, if you are anti-Trump 
or anti-Republican, right? You're a hard, hard noser, far left, Democrat, everybody just living in, in a field and smoke dope and be happy. You will watch this and you'll be disgusted by it, right? You'll be like, I can't believe this stuff is happening, Franco. They're giving money to the Russians and the Russians are putting up a post saying that they kill dogs and you shouldn't vote for them. I can't handle this kind of stuff, Franco. Now, if you watch it and that's your logic, you'll be horrified for it. But here is the thing to take away from that documentary and here's the thing to understand, right? And it's the thing that is not explained in that show. Every political weapon, if you like, that has been used or has been uh, accused of using from the right swaying parties, okay? For example, social media influence, uh, big lobby money, backhands, everything that has been accused of being done on the right has also been done on the fucking left. Every motherfucker's at it. Everybody does it. The, the Obama administration, millions if not billions of dollars raised from, from private income. Everything that is done in the American political spectrum is done on both sides. So it's, it's not as if these tactics are only open to one or the other. They are available to both and utilised by both. So the American election is coming up November, right? Uh, I want to say November 3rd, but uh, I don't know the exact date. Let's just let's just Google it. It's the joy, it's the joy of sitting near a computer. You know? You can have a conversation, you can think of things, and you can Google it. Uh, American Election Day. Boom. Tuesday, 3rd of November. Oh, set your calendars. Tuesday, the 3rd of November. The Our American cousins, our inbred cousins, brothers and sisters, will go to the polls. And will it be Trump? Or will it be Biden? No, I said this to Mrs. there. I would not put it beyond the Trump administration to orchestrate some kind of terrorist attack between now and in the election. I wouldn't put it past them. I'm not saying 9-11 scale. But I am saying some poor bastard of ill mental health, whether it be a bomb, whether it be a shooting, whether it be something, I would not put it past them to have some kind of public display in place between now and when the Americans go to the polls. It's a, it's a lot closer than we think just now. I have been watching a little bit of it on uh, some of the American news channels, the ones that I can get access to. I've listened to a few podcasts from some other American comics that I enjoy, uh, one of which is what you would call right-leaning, one of which is left-leaning, so it's good to get both views. And it does feel as if it's a lot closer than we probably think it's going to be. Um, almost to the point where their views on how they're going to tackle COVID in the next couple of months, and I don't mean their views on, for example, we're, we're going to get this uh, scientist in and he's going to do this. We're going to, the view being, is it likely that I'm going to be allowed at my house in the next week or two? And Trump, to boil it down to basics, seems to be pushing the idea of 
freedom, your freedom, American freedom. And the Biden Democrat seems to be pushing the idea of listen to the scientists, lockdowns are inevitable. And if anything has shown in the last election from America, the, the voters are extremely binary. They are not long-term thinkers. It's going to be interesting. But I do, there's part of me that thinks if there was a, if something was to happen, if there was to be a terrorist attack between now and the votes, Trump would win it. So it'll be funny to see how it plays out. But back here in uh, Old Blighty, the uh, the bold the bold nutters in Manchester seem to be gone mental. Um, we go to our good friends at the at the Metro for for this uh, article. Uh, let me find it. Um, the headline reads uh, quite shocking: Army on standby as Manchester faces a showdown on Tier Three lockdown. Now, uh, both of those gentlemen on the right, uh, apparently Army, uh, seem quite relaxed. Um, you know, Greenberry. I don't know if that is the, uh, I don't know what that is. I don't know if it's the good, uh, what are they called? What are they, what are they called, the Greenberry fuckers? The, is it SES? Is that what we call them? Who knows, man? Listen, see if you're still in the army at this age. Get a bloody grip yourself. But anyway, uh, the army on standby. Um, because Manchester's, you know... Playing funny buggers with the old tier three thing, refusing to go in it. Now there was a there was rumours months ago, uh, before we went into the whole lockdown one hour for exercise shite, that they are all the videos were going. The army's in fucking Inverness, man. They're they're mobile. The military is mobile. I was desperate to see the army on the streets of Edinburgh. Fucking desperate. Nothing I would have enjoyed more than seeing a couple of leith gadgets. Getting wrestled into the back of an army Range Rover and driven off at high speed. You know, take me, a bastard. And then nothing materialised. Listen, see, if I was PM, I'd have the fucking army out every day. I'd have the tanks rolling, man. What the, what's the fucking point in having it? Roll the tanks out. Go and lift up. Just lift some people, man. Take me a field, dump them. Fuck them. Who cares? Apparently the army's on standby. So Manchester um, placed into a tier three lockdown in England, the most severe and uh, significant of the tier systems uh, in place by Bojangles. And uh, Manchester went, nah, we're not doing it. It's no fucking happening up here. Now, again, as I said before in previous weeks, the problem that we have with COVID uh, just now is that it's gone on for too long. And the political parties, especially in England and the UK, I suppose, uh, in the sense of Labour and the Tories, they they couldn't they could never possibly go this long without starting to turn it political. It just couldn't happen. There's no way in in the world. There's no way that Labour could sit back and just let the government deal with this global pandemic. It was never going to happen. And I've said before, even if the government does the right decision or the wrong decision, it will always be the opposite view of currently Labour in Westminster because they just, it can't go this length. Everything's got to be political. 
every single thing's got to be about getting the opposition out. It's got to be about getting people fired, losing their job, resignations. That's what it's about. Politics in this country doesn't seem anymore about doing the, the right or the will of the people. It seems to be these two political groups having a wee infight in their fucking little private boys camp. So Andy Burnham, um, mayor of Manchester, the northern powerhouse. Uh, also, let's just clear something up as well. Manchester is not the north. Manchester is the Midlands. Uh, we are the north. The true north. <laughs> the one true north. <laughs> Scotland's the fucking true north. Right? Yeah, Midlands, English cunts. We're the fucking king of the north. So, uh, Mayor of Manchester, Northern Powerhouse, Andy Burnham, obviously, famously, uh, sh you know, shagged to bits in the Labour leadership election. Let's not forget that. Let's not forget when people are talking about Andy Burnham, oh, he's bloody great for Manchester, though, he had all the trams running time, there's no junkies, it's brilliant. Let's not forget this was a man who was blasted in the arse when he went for the Labour leadership election to Jeremy Corbyn. Let's not forget that, right? And then he's came away from Westminster, he's taken a job as a mayor in Manchester. I imagine a fucking easy job. And now, it's all political. Now he's trying to make a name for himself. Or is he? Uh, the article uh, reads, Britain's armed forces are ready to provide support if Manchester is plunged into a Tier 3 lockdown, a government minister has said. Mayor Andy Burnham uh, has been given until midday today. Now, that date has passed to accept the stricter tier of local lockdown following a 10-day standoff with Downing Street. Leaders in Greater Manchester say not enough support has been offered to soften the economic blow of the restrictions which could, which could see bars and pubs forced to close their doors completely. Now, here's my problem with this and my whole problem with the Manchester thing, right? Bars, restaurants, pubs, everything across the central belt in Scotland. Now, I'm not going to get into this whole thing, you know, the central belt in Scotland. It, it is Scotland, and see if you live out, out with the central belt, you're a fucking inbred bastard. The, the, the vast majority of the population of Scotland lives within that central belt. The, the vast majority. And that has been the, the biggest part of the country that's been affected. Recently with this new restriction of... Sturgeon giving it, can he sell baby, shut the doors, good luck to you. No one had a choice in that. Nobody for Renfrewshire Council, Lanarkshire Council, nobody standing up and going, wait a minute here, uh, we're, no, we're not doing this, we're having a stand up, everybody can keep, nothing, there was none of that. We were told, businesses had to, for weeks, try to get things organised, back into locking the doors, complete uncertainty, no one knows what's going to fucking happen. But somehow Manchester is able to turn around and go, we're not doing it. it, it it's starting to get fractured now. Because everything has gone on too long, you know? And, and either Bojangles and Westminster need to get a fucking grip of this pronto, or everything is dissolved in the sense of, here is the information we have, here is the knowledge, local councils make the decision. Again, it feels like back to square one ago, nobody really knows what's happening. And that should, have, that should have been an instant decision. That should have been, Manchester has been placed in tier three, you know, 
He phoned him up. Andy, Bojangles, how's it hanging? Listen, again, mate, sorry for when you get shafted in the leader labourship after that mad bat. All right, okay, okay, kiss, kiss, bang, bang. Uh, tier three is for you, mate. And then he says, we're no gone. You're going, can you repeat that again? We're no gone at tier three. Okay, I just had to get that on record. Thanks very much. All the best to you. Phone down. The next phone call is to the army. Get every tank and every fucking nutter you've had, anybody that's came back from Afghanistan and they're a wee bit rattly, give them an AK-47 and send them to Manchester. That's how quick that should have been. But instead, here we are, days later. Still nothing has happened. Uh, Greater Manchester uh, has been left in limbo after a midday deadline passed to reach a deal with the government over moving into Tier 3 COVID rules. On Tuesday, the region's mayor, Andy Burnham, said the area was still seeking a a fair figure of support. Uh, The BBC understands council leaders in Greater Manchester are arguing for a minimum of £75 million from the government. Where's your fucking bailout, Sturgeon, eh? Uh, Com- Community Secretary Robert Jenrick has suggested the PM could impose top-tier measures if no deal was agreed. The very high alert level, also known as Tier 3, would mean closing pubs and bars which do not serve meals and additional restrictions on households mixing. Uh, it's, it's, it's mental, man. It really is mental. It's mental that the, the, the government, whether you... Whether you agree with the government or not, here, here's my, here's something that I'll say right just now, because it's my podcast and I'll say what I want. I, uh, I can't stand the Tories, as I imagine most people do, right? I can't stand Bojangles. Whether or not you think he's a good PM or whether you hate him as a PM, as a person I can't stand him because he's one of these career politicians. I can't stand any of them that do that. There's people in the SNP who I severely dislike just because of that. It's a party that I vote for. Yes, I think Scottish independence is a great thing. Up until now, I've been a hundred SNP. Now I'm probably about seventy percent because Sturgeon's in my fucking box in. But there are a few people, even within the SNP, that I don't particularly feel should be MPs or that I really would take serious or want to be representative of me because again, they are career politicians. That's why I severely dislike people like Boris Johnson, the vast majority of members of the Tory Party. But in the same time, you have to give them that respect that the position holds. I honestly, I cannot tell you how much it boils my piss when he is on the news and they call him Boris Johnson. And I know it's daft, but he is the Prime Minister. You know, you, you have to give the position the respect it deserves, even if you don't respect the person. Same with Trump, right? He's a fucking raving lunatic. He's still President Trump. You know, that it's just... The further this goes on, it just feels as if the current political structure with the Tories will happily set this out for years. You know, the normal people... People like like me, people who work in the arts industry, I imagine people like you, normal people, we need this shit resolved soon. The rich, the elite, the 1%, the conservatives, the Tories, the current government, they could happily sit this out for years. So this whole thing about now making it political and standing off each other and telling them we're not going to do it because you've got a... 
you know, a high-ranking ex-Labour official as your mayor. It, it's the wrong move. It's the wrong move because if anything changes here, if, if more if more money is given as a as a bailout or a, or, a, or a support blanket, is that saying that Manchester is is you know higher regard than the rest of the the country? What 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 makes them more deserving of a bigger bailout package than any other part of the UK? It's a ve- it's a very dangerous place that. That Andy Burnham's taking them, isn't he? I really think it is. I think that all of this should have been done uh, behind closed doors. I think if it had been placed into Tier 3, I think they should have gone into Tier 3. And I think these discussions on extra payouts or whatever, I think that should have been done in private. I think this is a mistake. Um, There are large parts of the country that are suffering and maybe don't have that economic power that maybe Manchester does. But I, I do think this can only be a bad thing if if areas of the country start to, to kind of fight back with regards to going into lockdown. Um, and I suppose if people are being placed into lockdown, it's because the the infection rate is increasing or, or the cases are increasing. So there can't really be much argument for, you know, sign data or, or, or scientific opinion. So we'll wait to see. As it says, the 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 deadline for the uh, the movement back at tier three has has passed. So will the army be called any Manchester man? We shall wait and see. It would be something quite interesting anyway, if it was. Obviously, as most people will have a deep hatred for COVID, and what it's done this year. The impact it's had on so many people's lives. Um, but even when I feel like I'm getting into some kind of normal pattern again in, in the sense of getting a day a wee bit structured, doing a bit of work, something then happens and it reminds me of how much of a bastard COVID is. Finally, after quite some time, and I'm sure many of you are, are far further ahead than I, um, caught up with Handmaid's Tale. Now... I have an extreme love-hate relationship with Handmaid's Tale. I enjoy watching it, and I hate watching it in equal measures. Handmaid's Tale is the perfect example of what I say is the is the best way to, to live uh, y- your life, and that is to respond um, to indifference or intolerance with extreme violence. It's the only way to solve these things. And every time I'm watching Handmaid's Tale... I turn to the missus about three or four times during each episode and I say, and I quote, somebody needs to start getting murdered in this show. That's what I say every single time. Every single time. When all the horrible things happen to her and all the horrible things happen to the handmaids, I say, somebody needs to start getting fucking murdered in this show. So now we find ourselves at the end of season three. Uh, If you are watching it, if you're not that far in, I'm not going to spoil it for you. It is a good and terrible end to the season Good because something good happens and terrible because once again, June is fucking about when she should just be getting to Canada, getting a militia together and going door to door and killing all these fucking Amish cunts, right? So, go online, Google when season four, please tell me there's a season four, read an article saying season four, Handmaid's Tale, I'm going, oh brilliant, when's it coming? And it's been fucking delayed because of COVID. 
God damn you, COVID. I'm struggling to find anything to watch. I'm struggling. I'm, uh, I'm re-watching old box sets. I'm re-watching old stuff. I'm, I've started watching Cub Your Enthusiasm, which is wonderful. But again, it's, it's an old show, you know. And I'm watching it because there's a lot of it. And I know it's great writing. So I know I'm not going to go wrong with that. But even new stuff, I'm, I'm looking at new things that are on the TV. And I'm going, how is this getting made? You know, the quality of television is shocking. So as again, this is a plea. You know, if there's anything that you think I should be watching, in the Netflix box sets, documentaries, films, anything at all, I could not tell you the, the last time I watched a good film. The other night I watched Adam Sandler's uh, new Halloween movie, Hubie Halloween. Easily one of the worst things I've ever watched in my life. How, I mean, I know how, it pays for it yourself, right? That's how you get shit films made, you pay for it yourself. It's terrible, it's awful. Then we watched a film called Overlord, which appears to be about zombie Nazis. Again, I'm watching it going, how the name of fuck has this been made? Awful. Awful casting, awful writing, just an awful film. And it's no made in the cheap. I mean, it's Hollywood blockbuster. Big explosions, big sets. I mean, it's money. There's been money spent on this film. I'm watching that going, as an actor, right? None of these fuckers have got this script in and went, this is the Oscar. This is the fucking Oscar. They've they've got the script and went, Jesus, fuck. It'll pay six months rent. And listen, as a struggling, struggling artist myself, I would happily, right now, go and do a horrific movie, play, fucking TV show, anything. If it gave me enough money to pay six months rent, happily. But what I mean is, this money exists in Hollywood. Or the UK, wherever it fucking came from, to make these things. And they're fucking shocking. Shocking. So if you have any uh, suggestions, then please do, you know, please do get in touch, for God's sake. Speaking of television, uh, i got a question here on the Patreon uh, for the wonderful Mick Whitworth. Legend Mick Whitworth. Uh, I hope Mick will be joining me this Saturday on Patreon for the live uh, stand-up gig. Again, it's the only place to see it, so if you're not part of the Rascal Army, uh, go to patreon.com forward slash Big Scott Gibson. You can sign up for $5. What's that? Four quid? Four quid, man! And you can enjoy uh, a stand-up gig from my good self. Uh, Mick has asked a question about Taskmaster. Uh, Mick asked, Taskmaster, good comics having a laugh? Or utter Z-less comics taking pure, talking pure shite. Um, Taskmaster is, a, is an odd one because uh, I know the origins of it. The Taskmaster uh, started at the Edinburgh Fringe. Um, it was a show out there. It was it was tested there. Um, uh, Taskmaster, here we go. Uh, Alex Horn, God, how can I forget Alex Horn's name? So Alex Horn, who's a sidekick, uh, his idea, his creation, uh, ran it at the fringe as a as a test. Um, never saw it myself. Would love to have seen what it was like in that version to what it is now. Um, but again, it's a Taskmaster is the perfect example of British comedy versus American comedy. Uh, and I'm again, I'm sure I've said this before. That we should put that in a t-shirt. I'm sure I've said this before. I feel as if I say that every episode. 
Taskmaster is a, a, a great idea for a show, I think. Um, but it just lacks that... It just lacks that little bit extra that makes something special. Does that make sense? It always feels as if... Um, it's like a comparison between BBC and BBC Scotland. It's filmed in the same fucking studio. It's filmed with the same cameras. It's filmed with the same crew. But anything that's made by BBC Scotland always looks a little bit shitter. It just looks a little bit shit. Even when you see it on screen, it just looks a little bit dull or a little bit faded. Just a little bit shit. And I'm like, how is this possible? It's filmed in the same fucking... It's filmed in the same thing. But it just looks a little bit shit. And Taskmaster is one of those things where I think it's a great show. I think it's a great idea. But it just misses that mark. And a lot of that is down to... We don't have superstars in this country. Comics. We don't have superstar comics in this country. Um, we we don't have the same... We don't place any value on stand-up comedy. For the Americans, it's something that they feel they created. Um, for them, it's a recognised art form. It's a recognised job and industry. Comedy, stand-up comedy in America is huge... And it is given the respect and the gravita, gravitas that it deserves as an art form. Whereas in this country, forget it. So we do this thing where we we find comedians, and it doesn't matter if they're good, right? That never in the process of finding new talent does the question of whether they're good or not, does that ever come in? We find comics, we bring them through various different platforms, um, so they'll put them on different panel shows, different com different shows, not comedy shows, different shows, in order that they can be in as many houses as possible, so you recognise their face. And then when they get to a point where they are famous, the, the purpose seems to be move them away from stand-up as, as quickly as they can, put them into hosting a game show, put them into a talk show, put them into something that isn't stand-up. And they don't continue the the, the stand up gigs, the stand up art. There's very few comics who are like known as celebrities and really, really good comedians. Very few. Manford, maybe, you know. Good good comic, celebrity cell, still gigs a little bit. But, but even that, even even with Manford, like his his last tour, maybe even his last two tours, he doesn't do weekends anymore. Famously, because he says he wants to spend more time with his children. So there's all there's always that caveat where I'm adding lines of coke. There's always that caveat where in this country you get to a level where you're famous enough that you don't have to bother with comedy anymore. Whereas the Americans, stand up's always the first thing. They could go on to do movies, they could become big, massive Hollywood actors, but they're always a comic, you know? And I think by having an industry that puts that emphasis on the comedic talent, they have the ability to pull from, obviously it's a much larger country and a larger pool, but we have some amazing comedians in this country that you will never know, you don't know their names, you will never know them. You're ever likely to ever see them live. 
they'll be in small venues, you won't know they're on because they can't afford to pay 10 grand in PR fees and they'll continue on, they'll have a reasonably good career in the sense of they don't have to do a day job, they can fund themselves through their art, but most of you will never know who they are. I mean, most people, you know, if you're listening to this, you've maybe seen me gig or you've maybe you've, you've maybe seen me through another another you know avenue of live performance and you've you've came to the podcast and you've stuck with it and you, you see that this podcast is slightly different than other comedy podcasts and that it's a bit more conversational, it's a bit more broadcasty, but we chat about things, we sometimes we get quite deep and you know, maybe you stay because you enjoy it or it's something different from what you, you listen to. But if you but they ask your friends, most of them I would imagine, no idea who I am, don't know that I'm a comedian, never see me perform live. So there is there is that struggle there. The show itself, I think, is a great show. I think it's a, it's a good idea. I think it would benefit from a bit more funding. I think it would benefit from making the making the the challenges or making the show itself a bit more high end, a bit more budget, you know, a bit more, a bit more money spent into it. But again, a lot of that will be filming on that location, the the Taskmaster house. So that will be done over, you know, a couple of days, so that the budget for that is small, so they don't have to pay for regular comics to come in, and then they, they'll do the filming in one day, two days, I would imagine, you know. So a lot of it will still be budget driven, um, instead of giving it a little bit extra. But now that it's moved back to Channel 4, um, I don't know where it'll go from there. Uh, I think it needs to move away from trying to push itself as a as a, a comedy show and just be uh, a game show. Uh, I hope it sticks with a couple of comics. Um, but again, a lot of the comics that are on it who you will not have known, at, you, will, you won't know, um, will be there through certain agencies, but then that's the game you play, you know, so you, you can't allow yourself to even be involved in that or worry about it. Um, but to answer the question, Mick, I think it's a good show. I think maybe they need to spend a bit more, uh, if they could spend a bit more on it, make it a bit more pizzazz, and uh, maybe think a little bit more about the the uh, the guests that they have on, you know, uh, maybe focus a bit more on the lineups, and maybe give the... The, the, the guests, the, the, the participants, a little bit more time to, to shine, to show themselves, you know, I, I don't know. But not a bad show, Mick. What do you think, mate? Do you enjoy it? Do you hate it? Um, did you hate Taskmaster? I don't know. Good show. Greg Davis as well. Lovely man. Um, Keg going once in London. And uh, I tried not to be shot by the size. It's fucking massive. Massive big guy. Huge feet. Uh, anyway, uh, another question uh, from Patreon while we're on the TV thing. Uh, Stephen Wilson asks, would you like to see any collaborations of TV programmes like Cat Does Countdown style? Uh, what about a come dine with me with the Scheme special? <laughs> Fucking hell. Right, first dates on a Scheme special. That would be a good one. Just a bunch of rough, bust people going on first dates. Um I don't know how I feel about these collaboration things. I think I feel about them as the same way that I kind of feel about film remakes and TV reboots. I think there's so many talented writers out there that, you know, I'd like to see kind of money spent on original content. I think 8 out of, eight out of 10 Cats does Countdown, I think, was so successful because people were sick of 8 out of 10 Cats, but there's something for a lot of people very comforting and familiar 
with Jimmy Carr and Sean Locke, you know. Um, so that that format lent itself easy to it. I mean, if you want to dig a bit deeper and go like a, a kind of a money sense, a structure sense, you went from having effectively six panelists to to four, uh, two regular hosts. So you've only got two panelists now to, to bring in. Um, so it's maybe easier for them to structure that way as well. And you've got a format that is known. You don't have to explain it. Everybody knows what countdown is, so you can go straight in. Um, but taking other shows and hybrid them, I don't. I don't know. I, a friend of mine had a very good idea that he tried to pitch uh, years ago, and again, BBC Scotland, so you get fucking no chance of it happening. And I always thought it was brilliant, and it was kind of loosely based on a cooking show that I had watched, where, I don't know what it was called, but there's like two or three chefs, and they, they effectively make a dish, and then they post it through a hatch, so they open this wee hatch, put a dish in, close the hatch, and there's a panel of... Um, experts, right, it's like a food critic, somebody that runs a cafe somewhere and a guy who fucking, you know, once paid £20 for a burger and thinks that he knows everything about food, right, that kind of level. And they eat it and then they critique it, right? And the idea was, it was going to be called Munchie Box, and the idea was that Michelin-starred chefs would create their signature, signature dish from their restaurant, right? So high-end, like, lot of foams, jellies, reductions, food that when you see in the television, I call it theatre food. So a, a night out in that restaurant would be theatre. You would you would be in, in, in the atmosphere of the room and the food would come out, you'd be like, oh my God, what is this? And it's uh, octopus uh, semen reduced and then we inject it inside an egg. Uh, the chicken lays the egg, gives birth to a chicken octopus and then we have cooked it for you. And you're like, fuck me, how did they come up with that stuff? One of those kind of meals, right? When you eat it and you get a McDonald's after it because you're not actually fed because the portions are fucking yawn size. Theatre food. So the idea was Munchie Box, Michelin star chefs uh, create a signature dish, stick it inside a pizza box, munchie box, put it through a hatch, and uh, three normal people, right? Normal working class people. Maybe a granny in there, right? A meat and tatties kind of woman, right? Makes the best gravy in Scotland, you know? Stews and soups. That is what the woman has been built on. She's raised a family. Six strapping men, each of them over six feet tall, 22 stone, bears, she's raised six bears on stews and soups, and the woman's getting served Michelin star fucking hoity-toity fancy dinner, in a pizza box, right, so they would open up the pizza box, or the munchie box, and they would critique the food, right, and hilarity would ensue because it's normal people telling fucking hoity-toity bastards exactly what they think of the food, right? And then the reverse on it is that either in the show, the the, the then the normal people would make a dish for the uh, Michelin star chefs, or the Michelin star chefs would then have to create a dish that they think the normal people would like. You mark them, you grade them, one chef wins, Somebody gets money for charity or something, I don't fucking know, you win a cheese grater or a microplane, and everybody goes home happy, right? That was the idea of the show. Called Munchie Box. Still think it would have been a good show. Uh, in fact, I think it would have been a really good show. Will it get made? Will it fuck? 
no interest at all. But there you go. But other than that, hybrid shows, mate, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I will say this on television, though. I cannot believe Hollyoaks is still going. Can't believe it. Can't believe it. I happened to have Channel 4 on the other day. Uh, Simpsons was finished. I lunged for the remote because I heard uh, Hollyoaks up next. And I think it said something like it's been on the telly for 50... I was going to say 50 years. Can it be 50 years? How long has Hollyoaks been on for? Let's Google that. How long has Hollyoaks been on? Uh, 1995. So what's that? 2005. 2015. 25. 25 years. Oh, even that's disgusting. Can you believe it? Uh, also because I recognise that two people are either back in it or still in it from when I first watched it when it first came out as a teenager. Um, so Hollyoaks feels like, you know, it's like a, it feels like a kind of shitty Scottish Premiership football team. That's what it feels like, right? Yes, they're a professional football team. Yes, you can tell you're a professional footballer if you play for them, you know, but it's still a shitty football team. If you are an actor for Hollyoaks, for Hollyoaks, Hollyoaks, Hollyoaks. If you're an actor on Hollyoaks, yes, you're an actor. Yes, you can tell people you're a professional actor, but you're still in a shitty fucking show like Hollyoaks, right? Now, very much like a shite Scottish football team, if anybody shows any sign of a bit of class or possible real talent, then they go off to play for another club, a real club. And Hollyoak actors, they go off and they do West End or they do a movie or they do another TV show if they show any sign of talent. But they all know that they'll end up back on Hollyoaks again or you'll end up, 34-year-old, back at the shitty Scottish Premiership team where you started to finish out your career. That's what it feels like. 25 years of Hollyoaks. Un-fucking-believable. There you go. Thanks for the question, boys. Mick and uh, Stephen, thank you very much. And if you want to ask a question, uh, again, part of the Patreon. It's the way it works. Patreons get an episode every single Friday as well, an extra episode every single week, which, which is mental, man. Which is mental. Eh? You lucky devils. I was talking to a friend of mine, an American. Uh, reasonably big comic out there. Doing well. Talking about our Patreons. Giving me some ideas. And I says, I put an extra Patreon episode. He says, oh, you should do that, man. It's good to help build numbers. I says, I do it every week. And he went, what? He says, he does one a month. One a month. So you should be lucky. Grateful, you rascals. You know? And I am grateful for you. But Patreons get an episode every single Friday. Uh, Patreons only. Um, so if you want to check that out, again, join the Patreon. Just join the Patreon, man. Just do it. You know, let's not fucking about here. Let's not be nice and asking, why don't you come and help support me? Just join the fucking Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Big Scott Gibson. Five dollars. Do it. Treat yourself. You deserve it. I deserve it. Let's live long and prosper. Let's be happy together on Patreon. Live comedy gig this Saturday. See you there. I said to myself that I wasn't going to make this a long episode either because my throat is genuinely killing me and I didn't want to talk as much and we're over 40 minutes in and we've not done half the stuff we want to talk about and we're still rabbling a lot of shite so let's play on. Very, very sad news just now and let's um, just get it 
out the way and talk about it. The uh, the incredible Jeff Bridges, one of the finest actors um, of his time in the history of movies, uh, very sadly been diagnosed with cancer. I saw it this morning um, on social media. Um, an amazing, an amazing, amazing actor. I, I obviously everybody's seen Big Lebowski. For me, Crazy Heart, a fucking film that I loved. I don't know how I found it. Um, I just saw it a couple of years ago, and it's one of those things where Jeff Bridges is obviously the main character. It's effectively a what's the fucking Lady Gaga one? Tell me something, girl. What's that one that everybody went mad about? Who don't know? Can't remember. Anyway, it is. It's a better version of that film. It's called Crazy Heart. Jeff Bridges stars in it. Wonderful. Uh, uh, down in his luck. Old country and western singer. And uh, just a beautiful film. Great story. Feels almost a bit like... The reason why I like the film so much is because it's it's real. It's real in the sense of what happens at the end is probably what would happen in real life. It isn't the big Hollywood finish him and the girl ride off into the sunset together. It isn't that. You know, it's probably what would happen if that scenario played out in real life. And that's why I enjoyed it so much. That, the music, the story, his acting, amazing. If you have never seen Crazy Heart, you, you need to watch it, man. Try and check it out. Um, it said that he has been diagnosed uh, with cancer, but the prognosis is good. This came from Jeff Bridges himself. He put out a tweet it said, as the dude would say, new shit has come to light, which even that is cool as fuck, man. Uh, been diagnosed with lymphoma, although it's a serious disease, I feel fortunate that I have a great team of doctors and the prognosis is good. I'm starting treatment and will keep you posted on my recovery. Um, I suppose now, again, I was talking to the missus about this, like, the idea of science and the medical improvements and advancement that we've made in the last couple of years is maybe difficult for people to grasp <clears throat> but when I think about I'm 36, I feel old as fuck but I'm no old as fuck when I think the changes that have happened especially with cancer in my lifetime and other diseases, look at AIDS and HIV for example when I was young I can vividly remember the fear of cancer still fearful now but by that what I mean is if friend, family, a relative someone you knew, whatever was diagnosed with cancer when I was young, 8, 9, 10 it was a death sentence now and it's not always the case because sadly people are lost to cancer all the time but initially that response of being told you have cancer doesn't have the same doesn't have the same death sense attached to it. You know, the, the the medical advancements that have been made are unbelievable. You know, and, and there is a chance now, a much higher chance that you can survive it, beat it, even live with it. Same with AIDS and HIV. I mean, remember that when I was young being a, a real taboo, you know, if someone had that, that you were you were gone. Whereas now you can take a tablet and continue to live a, a happy, healthy life. Um and I think things like this where someone like Jeff Bridges, who's probably one of those actors that everybody loves and has maybe one or two films of his that you you hold quite dearly, it, it, it does feel as if with the year that you've been through something like that, 
you know, hits even harder. Also come to the realisation that as I get older, the people who I admire, who who I grew up with watching, are, are all going to pass away. You know, as natural as it is, as time goes on, you're going to start to lose a lot of these people. Hopefully we don't lose Jeff Bridges anytime soon. But you do forget, when I saw it, when I read it in the article, that he's 70 year old, you totally forget that Jeff Bridges is 70 year old. Completely forget it. So a wee bit of sad news there, but hopefully uh makes a recovery, hopefully the treatment goes well and um he can he can bounce back um as quickly as he can. Right, another news article. Uh the EU man, the EU causing all sorts of havoc. Uh EU to vote on vegan food being called burgers, sausages or bacon. Now, uh oddly something that you know, maybe people don't feel that strongly about, but this is a, a, in a strange way. Um, I do have, uh, you know, strong opinions on on the old fucking vegan burgers. Message the vegetarian uh, or par pesky eat fish, but fish are idiots, you know, so it doesn't really count. Um, I still eat meat. Uh, I do have an issue with, and is it really an issue? Does it concern me that much? Is it maybe it's a small annoyance then? That's probably the way to put it. Whenever I see like vegan burger, vegan sausage, vegan bacon, that I do get annoyed by it. I don't know why. I don't know why I get annoyed. Do you know the thing that annoys me the most? It's the vegan places that do fried chicken. And it's vegan fried chicken. And I'm like, it isn't it? It, it, it isn't a vegan fried chicken because vegan fried chicken isn't a thing. You know? You don't eat chicken. So why would you call it fried chicken? No, that can be a stupid thing to be angry about or to even get mildly annoyed about. Who cares? Let people do what they want. You want to call it fucking a piece of shite? Call it a piece of shite. Who cares? But is that trying to target people's thinking is that trying to sway you over i don't know is that a market employee is it is it using words that people understand rather than what it is should the should the 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 vegan food companies be making more of a stance to completely distance themselves from meat products you know so instead of calling it a, a burger call it a patty you know that it's still effectively the same shape it just doesn't have those meat connotations in it. The one that gets me the most, I think, is the burger because there is a burger out which has, uh, I believe, beetroot juice in it. And when you cook it in the oven, or some of them you can fry, um, the, the beetroot juice that's inside it is there to give it moisture, but also to make it look as if it's bleeding. Now... I have never understood that with the vegan stuff that wants to look like meat because surely the process of becoming vegan is that you don't obviously want to harm animals, kill animals, but then you don't also want to eat the flesh of animals. So why would you want to recreate something that looks like meat? And I'll say this, I don't care who you are, I don't care what you say, I don't care what you do to it. A burger, beef, pork, mix, whatever will always taste different 
than a vegan burger. You will never make a vegan burger that tastes the same as beef. It's never going to happen. It will always taste different. The texture will never be the same. The taste will never be the same. The lasting taste will never be the same. Forget it. You can eat a vegan burger. I've eaten vegan burgers. Some of them are nice. Some of them are all right. Is it a beef burger? No, it's not. Does it fill you in the same way as a burger? No, it doesn't. So maybe it is time to move away and branch out and call it something else. You know, don't call it a vegan burger. Don't call it vegan bacon because it's no bacon. It's fucking going against the wish of God. This article from our friends at the Metro. Uh, EU Parliament will vote this week on whether the terms veggie sausage and veggie burger should be banned. Uh, again, the EU uh, probably should have bigger things to worry about. Uh, farmers. Ho, ho. You know why I piss the farmers off? Farmers are angry that the products could be confusing for customers and say terms such as steak, burger and sausage should be reserved only for animal products. Uh, but defenders say that with climate crisis looming, people should be promoting vegetarian products rather than making life more difficult for the manufacturers. I don't think it's making life more difficult at all. Um, I don't know if you should be promoting um, vegetarian products over non-vegetarian products. I think that has to be a choice for people. Um, and I really, I do think on some occasions, some of the packaging will be misleading. Maybe the vegetarian companies or vegan product companies should maybe focus a bit more on reducing the costs. Because again, this still feels like it is a bit of a kind of hipster, you know, right on, save the world movement. Some of the pricing on these vegan products are unbelievable. So one other day, £6. £6 for two vegan burgers. Now, the same argument can be made on the other side to go, why is the equivalent weight in beef so cheap? Why could you get, you know, 500 grams of mince for £2 in some supermarkets? Why is that so cheap? Is the demand for beef falling? Is the mass production of meat on that level too high so they can sell it too cheap? I don't know. So there's arguments on both sides. But if you are pushing this idea of we need to get more people eating a balanced diet and a balanced is less time eating meat more time eating veg and plant-based products then you've got to look at pricing you cannot force people to go down the road of becoming vegan if that is going to increase the cost week on week of what they bring into the home you just can't do that and some of the costs on the vegan products and it's the high-end one right it's the ones that are marketed different packaged different there to draw you in the cost in these things has to be reduced. Otherwise, I don't think you can continue to take it serious because if you are a young family, especially now in COVID, struggling financially, I, I couldn't care less if you are banging onto me that you all need to start eating vegan products, we all need to start eating more veg because it is helping the planet. If it comes down to cost, that will win every single time for a lot of people and a lot of families. And I don't think that that can be held against them. The article goes on to say they have also pointed out that most people buying a veggie burger aren't under the impression it actually comes from a cow or has the same nutritional profile. 
I don't quite understand that. The meat lobby's proposal for changes to the common agricultural policy says names currently used for meat products shall be reserved exclusively for products containing meat, including steak, sausage, escallop and burger. Also under consideration are names of dairy substitutes. They are already banned from being called yogurt or milk and could now be banned even from being called yogurt style or milk style. Jean-Pierre Fleury, chairman of the EU's Copa and Cogega Working Party on Beef and Veal, said calling veggie products by the name of meat products was an obvious case of cultural hijacking. <laughs> You're culturally hijacking my sausage, mate. Culturally hijacking my sausage. Officer, my sausage has been culturally hijacked. He added, certain marketing agencies are using this to deliberately confuse consumers by promoting the view that substituting one product for another has no impact on the nutritional intake. That is another thing as well about the whole vegan stuff is some of them get very high salt content. Now, not everything. And some meat-based ready meals, you have one of them, everything, fat, salt, saturates, through the roof. But there is this idea that eating vegan and being vegan is instantly far healthier than being a meat eater. And that is not the case at all. A lot of the information, a lot of the marketing is completely misleading. Things like there will be grass on the packaging, it's very green, it's very bright. It naturally is there to make you think that it's healthy for you, when that is not the case at all. I know people that are vegan are the fattest fucking cunts you'll ever meet in your life. Every meal is cheese, pizza and chips, crisps, chocolate, everything. They're no, they're no cooks. They, they're no interested in becoming cooks, understanding more about cooking vegetables. You know, and here's the other thing as well. To cook good vegetarian meals is time consuming. It takes a lot of effort. You know, you really have to think about it. You have to plan. You've got to go a little bit extra. You've got to add more stuff to get decent flavour out of vegetables. You have to. You know, whether it's long, slow roasting, whether it's adding things to a dish to pick up flavour, you know, putting tomato paste, purees in, thickening things out, adding different veg. It, it takes a lot to make good vegetarian meals. It really does. And again, to go back to it, if you don't have the time, or you don't have the resources, or you don't have the money, you're not going to do it. You're going to buy a bag of frozen sausages, a bag of frozen chips, you're going to gear out of the way with some peas or sweet corn or some beans, and that's their dinner. And that, do you know what? There's nothing wrong with that. You're keeping them fed, you're keeping them healthy, you're keeping them clothed, you're doing what you fucking can. You don't need to be sitting down making some vegetarian delight and vegan burgers and vegan sausages and putting yourself into fucking debt to get it. You don't need to do that. You know, there, there's, there's got to be a balance here. If you have the resources to, to make those changes in your life, by all means, go ahead and do it. But we need to be careful with this stuff. You don't then start to put focus on people who choose not to do it or who are unable to afford it because it's fucking expensive. It's expensive. I've, I've known people either who have given me shit in the past, friends that came around the house because I had bags of frozen vegetables in my in my freezer. And I'm like, even when people try and do something that's a little bit different, they're just getting shit because it's it's like almost as if you've got to be seen to be like the perfect vegan, you know? You, you've got to buy milk from this supplier and you've got to buy your vegetables from that supplier and you can't do this and you can't do that and... <sighs> 
buying fresh fruit and veg every day, it's fucking time-consuming, costly. You know, stuff goes off very easily, very quickly, turning all that over. There was a there was a, a, a milk company, no milk, uh, soya milk, oat milk, whatever it is. And uh, this campaign was starting, I think it's called Oatly. And uh, we used to buy it, I quite liked it, they did a barista version, which was nice, it was quite creamy. Uh, and then suddenly I've been told, can I buy that anymore? Because apparently it comes out that the owner of the company had given money to the Trump campaign. This is fucking oat milk. It's oat milk. And now there's a campaign started <laughs> to stop buying that oat milk because the owner gives money to Trump. How does that affect the product, Disney? How does that affect the taste? It doesn't. How does that affect the financial costing of that product? It doesn't. It doesn't at all. But people think, if I buy a carton of Oatly, I am giving money to Trump. You're not. You're not at all. But now we move on to another one. And now we have another oat milk delivered. Again, if you can afford these things, fine. If you can afford to make these decisions, fine. But you cannot at the same time jump on top of people if they are unable to do that. The proposed restrictions, um, sorry, I've missed a bit here. Uh, where are we? Uh, certain marketing agencies, uh, right, that's fine. The path is paved with good intentions, but it will open the door for other confusing denominations to emerge in the long term. France already has a law banning veggie products from using labels associated with meat. Mm, that's probably a good decision. However, almost 250,000 people have signed a petition calling on parliamentarians not to change the legislation. They say terms such as veggie burger and veggie sausage provide important information regarding the taste and use that people can expect from a product. Consumers buy plant-based products precisely because they know these products offer similar taste experiences and functionalities to their animal-based counterparts. The, I don't know if I agree with that. The proposed restrictions would be in direct contradiction to the EU's stated objectives in the European Green Deal and the farm-to-fork strategy of creating more sustainable and healthier food systems. The farm-to-fork strategy explicitly states the need to empower consumers to choose sustainable food and to make it easier to choose healthy and sustainable diets. Making it easier, not cheaper, and maybe cheaper should be the focus on that one. Right, we're running out of time in this episode, team. Um, so we've got a couple of things that we're going to pick up on the uh, on the Patreon episode on on Friday. Uh, we never had a chance to to do to do this one, for example. Uh, Florida mum earns twenty grand selling her breast milk to strangers online. To strangers, never had a chance to do that. We'll pick it up on Friday. Um, also, never had a chance to do uh, this. The uh, Zamboni Ice Rescuer bursts into flames on a hockey rink. Never had a chance to do that because we're running out of time. Rabbiting too much about vegan food and fucking the military. Uh, Granny Manchester. Thank you very much, Neil, for listening. As always, uh, another episode. Um, 51, man. 51 episodes. 31 of them done in lockdown. Fucking hell! 
Thanks for listening. Please do uh, subscribe to the show, available on all podcast players. Uh, simply search The Scott Gibson Show or go to scottgibsoncomedy.co.uk and you can follow the links to the podcast there where you can subscribe via your favourite podcast players. Um, when the episodes come out, please do share them, stick them in your social media, encourage friends and family to listen and let's try and grow these numbers. Thank you to everyone who got in touch. Remember, if you'd like to suggest a topic for the show or ask a question, you can do that through Patreon. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash by Scott Gibson. Sign up to get all the extra goodies, including, now I think we're up to 29 extra podcast episodes on there, um, as well as comedy albums, the comedy special, and of course, this coming Saturday, October 24th, you will be able to get access to my very first ever live streamed online beanback broadcast gig. So do that. You can join the Patreon for as little as $5. Um, yes, and I hope you all do that. Support the show. Enjoy the laughter. Enjoy me this Saturday. Right, team, that's it. Those of you on the Patreon, I'll speak to you on Friday. Take care of yourself. Enjoy the rest of your week and your weekend when it comes. I do hope you can join me on Saturday night, 8.30pm, live on Patreon for uh, a streamed comedy gig. It's going to be good. It's going to be fun. I hope to see you there. Take care of yourselves. Stay safe. Wash your hands and your asshole. <laughs> and I'll hopefully see you on a battlefield soon. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.